This is the Creative Funding Show, a podcast for authors, YouTubers, and podcasters who want to fund the work they love. Welcome back to the Creative Funding Show. I am Thomas Umstadt Jr., your host, and in this episode, we are going to talk about crowdfunding psychology, the psychological reasons why people back uh, creators on Kickstarter, on Indiegogo, on Patreon, and it's all about social triggers. At least that's going to be our focus today. So maybe asking, what is a social trigger? And the best example of a social trigger, at least all of the social triggers working together, is back in the heyday of Black Friday. What caused people to get into a frenzy and stay up all night to be the first through the door? It was a social trigger, specifically urgency, scarcity, and popularity, or what people call social proof. And uh, well, once you're done with this episode, you'll understand why people go crazy for Black Friday, why Black Friday is not working like it used to, how to use that on your crowdfunding campaign, and more. But you may be asking, well, what about for people who don't, whose social triggers don't work on? And you're right, some people social triggers don't work on. Uh, not everyone uh, has the same emotional setup. Uh, some people are called sociopaths, where they are hyper rational. And uh, that is not who you're targeting with your crowdfunding campaign. Uh, everyone else has a psychology that is influential. And uh, this, it's important as you learn marketing psychology and crowdfunding psychology to use this knowledge for good and not for bad. So uh, the principle here, though, is to dance with the way that people are. You can wish that people were hyper-rational robots all the time and didn't have a uh, influenceable psychology, but the reality is that people do. And so if you want to motivate people to donate to your crowdfunding campaign or back you on Patreon, you need to understand what motivates people and how you can motivate people too. So without introduction out of the way, let's talk about the first social trigger, which is urgency. So you may be asking, why is urgency important? And uh, it's even more important now than it's ever been because the modern education system trains us to wait until the last minute to act. It's easier for the test if you study the night before than if you studied a week before. And because of this, uh, people tend to wait until the last minute. We have moved away from our farming roots where, uh, you know, you got to plow the field before you plant the field. You got to plant the field before you harvest the field and thinking in terms of seasons rather than thinking in terms of binging the last night or cramming the last night. The reality is, is that most Americans, and I would say most educated people around the world, um, wait until the last minute. We are chronic procrastinators. And as a strategy, it's not a bad strategy. Uh, it's perhaps not the best strategy, but it's how we all act. So again, dance with the way people are, not how you wish them to be. So if everyone is a chronic procrastinator, if all of your backers are chronic procrastinators, there's an important principle here, and that is that people won't act without a deadline. This is why the countdown on Kickstarter and Indiegogo is so powerful. They have urgency built into the system, and you want to take advantage of that. You want to make a big deal about the fact that there's a deadline. This is also why Kickstarter's all or nothing approach is better than the option that you have with Indiegogo to um, 
not have all or nothing where you just make however much you make because there's a greater sense of urgency of like oh my gosh time's running out and if we don't hit the deadline nothing will happen with kickstarter it's a very powerful social trigger so for a majority of people, there has to be blood in the water for them to uh, go crazy, uh, especially for Black Friday, right? There's this urgency. You got to move. The sale is only available today. Um, and you may be like, well, isn't Apple the exception to this rule? And the answer is no. Actually, even Apple uses urgency. Uh, but urgency doesn't have to mean lower price. Uh, there's other ways of creating a sense of urgency. Like what we said with Kickstarter, it's, you know, this is your last chance to do it. With Apple, there's a sense of urgency. If you want to actually get the iPhone and be the first to have the iPhone, you have to be in line for a long period of time. There's other ways of creating urgency, though. One is called the reverse coupon. And I've actually used this uh, on my other podcast, Novel Marketing. We launched our course. We created a course, the five-year plan to becoming a best-selling author. It's a course that walks you through your whole career. And we priced it way too low. And so what we've been doing is uh, raising the price from time to time. But before we raise the price, we make a lot of noise about it. And so this is called a reverse coupon, which is buy the course now before the price goes up later. So uh, the threat that they'll miss out on this current low price, that the price will go up, uh, is a very powerful threat, very powerful motivation. Another way to create urgency is like what Michael Hyatt did when he launched the book Platform, where if you bought the book in the first two or three weeks, you got a special bundle of prizes. And that created a sense of urgency. Another way to have urgency is to have a limited quantity. Uh, there's a people go crazy when there's a certain number of something made and no more ever will be made. People want to be the one to get the thing, whatever the limited quantity is, which is really difficult for creators. They want to have unlimited quantity. Another way to do create a sense of urgency is to have a have it be free for a period of time. For a Patreon campaign, urgency has to be manufactured. There's no uh, urgency in Patreon as a platform. It's not like Kickstarter where there's this clock that's counting down and every second you're on a page is one fewer second you have to back the campaign. But that doesn't mean that you can't put urgency into your Patreon campaign somehow. Uh, the best way to do it is to have a reward of some kind that's limited in that it has a deadline. So you kind of manufacture some deadlines. And you can do this in an authentic way where everyone who becomes a patron before the end of the month will have their name put in the next video. Or they'll have their name put in the book. Or they'll have their name put in the album. Something like that. Uh, it, you have to be a little bit more creative, though. You have to think about what are you creating and how can you create a sense of urgency. Uh, with novel marketing, we give uh, discounts. We'll launch a course, and everyone who's a Patreon a patron gets you know the course is for a limited period of time, so there's urgency there, and everyone who's a patron gets a discount to the course. So that creates a sense of urgency. That's our most recent technique that's brought in our most recent kind of batch of patrons was from that creating that sense of urgency. Now, for some of these things, uh, like with the bundle of bonuses, Michael Hyatt, I believe, used, and I know many other authors use, what I call the ye old invisible sniper trick, which is uh, email me your receipt in the first two weeks, and I will send you the bonuses automatically. And for most authors, they don't actually check the receipt. They set up an automatic subs, uh, reply somehow. Uh, 
because there's no the the juice isn't worth the squeeze as Dustin Hammett would say in checking people's receipts and making sure they're not cheating it's cheaper to just give them the free bundle of goodies it's the what the yields invisible sniper is the trick uh where you know you're talking to somebody uh it's like a spy movie or something and you're like look up at that window up there behind that window is a sniper with their scope pointed right at you and if you do anything to me that sniper's gonna shoot you and the fact that they can't see the sniper they don't know if the sniper's there or not and it gives you power whether the sniper is real and whether or not you check the receipt the fact that you could check the receipt is enough for to keep people honest so that's urgency. Feel free to post some ways that you've created urgency in your Patreon campaigns in the comments. I'd love to hear how you do this. Again, with Patreon, it takes a little bit more creativity. With Kickstarter, it is built in. Now let's talk about the next social trigger, scarcity. Scarcity is what creates value. So value is determined based off of supply and demand. And scarcity is where you control the supply. Now, scarcity is a challenge in the world of digital products and the world of the internet. When what you are creating is a YouTube video, it's hard for that to be scarce, right? A million people could watch that, a billion people could watch that. There's no real controlling for scarcity. Uh, but there are ways of creating scarcity still in this new digital world. So let's talk about some of the ways to create scarcity when you create digital products. So one way to create scarcity is to create a limited physical edition. Brandon Sanderson has done this, where he'll create a special hardback special edition of one of his books, and only 500 or 1,000 of these will be made, and he prices them very high. This is kind of classic scarcity collector's item. Uh, if you're going to have merch, uh, you can make your merchandise scarce by saying this is the special version. We're only printing a thousand of these shirts. Once they're gone, they're gone. And then you've created your scarcity. So having limited quantities available of your physical products is a way to do that. Uh, there's no good way to create limited quantities of your digital product, though I wouldn't even try because then you're just creating piracy and you're rewarding pirates, right? You're like, oh, I'm only going to sell a thousand copies of this ebook. Well, once somebody gets a copy of your ebook, they can make further copies of your ebook. Uh, another way to create scarcity is to have a limited edition of some sort in smaller quantities, kind of like what we talked about. For authors, one form of scarcity is a signed copy right so the ebook may be ubiquitous which by the way you can make money with ubiquity ubiquity and scarcity where you want to be is on one extreme so you're either ubiquitous and everyone is reading you or you're scarce and you're very valuable where you don't want to be is in that slew of despond and you can be on both sides <laughs> uh, it's possible to be both scarce and ubiquitous at the same time uh, if you're uh, doing it correctly and signed copies with a book is a perfect example of that. So you have your ebook that you could sell unlimited copies of, but the signed copies are always going to be scarce because you can only sign so many copies. So the signed copies can demand a premium. Uh, like I said before, the first hundred people who email me a receipt of the new book that they bought get you know this bundle. Or the first 100 people who become patrons get this bundle. That's a, gr a great way of having both scarcity and urgency. Because the fact that it's the first 100 people, or however many people, uh, you know, you got to act quickly 
to be in that first batch so that's urgency but it's also scarcity in that once it's gone it's gone uh, so that a lot of these social triggers you'll notice combine with each other and going back to our black friday example urgency you have to be in line you know to be the you know there's only 10 of the tvs for a hundred dollars so if you're not the first 10 people in line you don't get your tv so it's urgent and it's scarce right there's only 10 tvs that uh you know big screen tvs you can buy for a hundred dollars at your black friday sale so it's also scarce so those two go hand in hand there's only 100 tickets available for the launch party. This is a great way uh, how musicians often create scarcity is with their live events, right? Uh, there's only a certain number of tickets. I'm only doing a certain number of live events, so there's some scarcity there. Uh, and typically, musicians prefer to keep their tickets scarce. This is why scalping is such a big business, right? Taylor Swift does a concert and the tickets only cost $50 or $100, whereas the scalpers are selling those same tickets for $500. So the market value, the demand for those tickets is far more than what Taylor Swift is charging for the tickets. So the economist in me is like, why wouldn't Taylor Swift just raise the price that she's selling her tickets for to meet the market demand for those tickets and cut the scalpers out? Why is she allowing these ticket scalpers to make millions of dollars off of her tickets or whoever? All musicians do this. And the reality is, is that they would prefer to underprice their tickets so that every single show is sold out because they want it to be scarce. They want to create this sense of scarcity. And also the third social trigger, which we'll get to here in a bit, popularity. They want uh, every uh, show to be popular. No musician wants to perform to a half-empty room, so or even a 90% empty room. There's a certain magic to performing to a standing room only crowd. It really gets people hyped up. and They want that high hype level, and uh, that's why they price their tickets so low. Another way to do this, uh, I see authors do this, is if everyone buys in the first week, we can hit the bestseller list. If everyone watches my YouTube video in the first hour, we can make a trending list on YouTube of you know what's hot or something like that. Uh, so that's a way of creating scarcity and, and urgency as well. Um, bonus content only for the first certain number of buyers. Another way to create scarcity on Patreon that's really easy is to just limit the level. So on uh, novel marketing on our Patreon uh, page, our most pop, uh, most expensive patronage level is also limited, right? We feature you on the show. We mention your book and read your blurb. We don't want to do that. I have the whole show be nothing but blurb. So we limit that level and we make it scarce. And that's another really easy way to create scarcity where this is special and urgent and limited. And that's a way of actually making a digital reward scarce. Uh, limited edition book cover. You know, Jim Rubart did this with his book where there was a special book cover. So the book itself wasn't scarce, but the book cover design was. So it was a special collector's edition of the book cover. Another way to create scarcity is a webinar that you have to attend live. I used to do this where the webinar recordings I would sell, but if you could come to them live and it created a scarcity because it was a perishable event. I, I really like the magic of something that can only be consumed live. Like when I'm speaking from stage, there's this special magic there. And people often later are asking like, oh, can you give me a recording of the talk? Can I get a copy of your slides? And I'm like, no, 
<laughs> I want you to have to come live and experience it live. I want to save something special for the live performance. And part of that is for scarcity and part of that is just for fun. And part of it is that my slides are typically just giant photos and there's not a lot that's useful about the slides by themselves. If you've ever seen me present live, you know that I don't have the typical bullet point slides that uh, double as a outline of the talk. Uh, so webinars you have to attend live. And then uh, another way of having scarcity is Amazon selling out. Um, this is hard to do uh, and not necessarily good to do because people want to be able to get their book right away. So having your book sell on an Amazon while it is fun, I don't think this is the right approach because Amazon's not going to sell out permanently. It's not the right kind of scarcity. It's the wrong kind of scarcity where you're just inconveniencing your buyer. So do let us know in the comments other ways that you create scarcity with your um, crowdfunding campaign. Uh, with Kickstarter and Indiegogo, another way to create scarcity is to limit the reward levels. It's another way to do it. Uh, very easily create scarcity. An early bird level that is limited is both scarce and urgent. <laughs> so it's very powerful in that way. Uh, so there are some psychological uh, rationale for creating early bird levels, but they can be a drag on you later as people are using anchoring, which is a social trigger I'm not talking about here, which is the uh, fourth one, uh, which is where people compare prices to other prices. And if they're comparing you, the, what they're paying to the early bird price, whatever they're paying is going to feel expensive. Uh, so that's a social trigger argument against early bird levels on Kickstarter and Indiegogo. I will say when it comes to early birds, just real quick to do a tangent here, I think early birds make sense if you're not sure if you're going to fund and you're trying to get to 40% funded or 60% funded as quickly as possible. Uh, every campaign or 99% of campaigns that get to 60% funded go on to fund 100%. So it could make sense to use early bird levels to try to push you to that 60% level. If you're the kind of campaign that's likely going to sell out in the first two hours where you've been doing lots of prep and you have a big audience ahead of time and the Kickstarter campaign's not really, you're not using it to test your idea, you're using it to measure the amount of popularity that your idea has, then early bird levels can backfire, right? If the early bird level sells out in 30 minutes, it's just annoying uh, to your backers. So you'll see in certain audiences like uh, board game board games for instance there's a real hostility to early bird levels because the campaigns that often have early bird levels those early bird levels sell out right away and everyone else just irritated and they feel like a schmuck because they weren't hovering by the button and got in in the first 30 minutes so they weren't able to back it but again it's going back to black friday creating that frenzy all right so let's talk about the third social trigger social proof or what i like to call popularity people like to do what other people are doing when you're at an amusement park and you're walking around and there's a ride with no line and a ride that's packed with people, which do you think is the better line? The line, the, the ride that has the people in it. Uh, if you're walking down the street and there's two restaurants, one that's packed full of people and one that's empty, which do you think is the better restaurant? The one that's empty. In fact, I was with my grandmother uh, the other day and we were wanting to go to a new restaurant and she got nervous because there was no one else in the restaurant. She's like, this must not be a good restaurant. No one else is here. Now, some people, this is a more powerful motivator than others. Some people really want to go along with the crowd and some people really don't. They don't like going along with the crowd, but everyone is influenced by this a little bit. No one wants to be 
a hermit by themselves. Uh, and now who it's popular with is important. Social proof, right? The fact that it's popular with people you don't like um, may not, um, or that you don't identify with may not influence you, but everyone is influenced by social proof. Uh, the most common way we see this with authors is New York Times bestselling author, right? Uh, lots of other people like this book. You're more likely to like the book. If uh, it's a New York Times bestselling book, you're more likely to buy it because that is a symbol. It's a status symbol of social proof. It's a, a way of showing popularity. When I'm shopping for a product on Amazon, I care far much more about the number of reviews than I do about the stars of the reviews. If a product has five five-star reviews and another product has a hundred reviews, but there is a four-star rating, I'm gonna buy that product with a hundred stars because I trust those reviews more. It's not hard to get five friends to leave you five stars, so I don't know if that's valid or not. I wanna see that you're popular with more than just your own friends. You don't have to be a New York Times bestselling author, though, to show popularity. There's some other ways of doing this. One way is to show any kind of bestseller status you have. Um, one way is to feature endorsements from popular people. So just like some people, they're, um, you know, liking you won't matter. Other people li liking you will matter disproportionately high. So if you've been endorsed by someone famous or someone with credibility in your area, I would feature that. Uh, Patreon and Kickstarter and Indiegogo all have popularity built into the platform. They all show you how many backers you have. So while you can hide on Patreon how much money you're making, you cannot hide how many backers you have. And the reason that Patreon doesn't allow you to hide this is very clever. Because uh, the more patrons you have, the more credibility you have, and the easier it is for new people to back you. To him who has patrons, more patrons will be given. But to him who does not have patrons, even the patrons he thinks he has are really just his mom. So you want to show off your progress and popularity as much as possible. YouTube has this built in as well, right? You can see at the bottom of every YouTube video how many times that video has been viewed. And people prefer to watch videos with high views as opposed to videos with low views. So one of the interesting things about podcasts actually is that the view counts are hidden. Uh, the only person who knows how popular this podcast is, is me. <laughs> I have access to the stats, but those stats are not public. I could tell you what the numbers are, but I could also lie. Like there's no public way for me to show you. I guess I could take a screenshot from my Blueberry Stats Engine and share that, but it's not transparent like it is on Facebook or on YouTube with the number of views. Uh, another way you can show popularity is to talk about how many different countries have consumed your content. Uh, this often, if you're not super popular, but you're broadly popular, this could be a really great way of doing it. I remember when my book first came out, my sales weren't what I wanted them to be. And when people would ask, I would mention the most recent country that, that was not the United States or somebody had ordered a copy of the book and it made me feel a little bit better. <laughs> it made the book sound a little bit more popular um, because it was, you know, the blog post that the book was based on was read in every country but one, uh, North Korea, no one read it, <laughs> but all the other countries, somebody read it. And uh, that was, and, but it was also read by a million people. So I had both sh kinds of popularity to show off. And then the final kind of popularity is awards. So uh, if you've won any prestigious awards for your book or for your music or for your YouTube, um, featuring that, that nomination of that reward, um, or sorry, award, uh, will help demonstrate popularity. 
So, uh, in conclusion, I'm going to talk a little bit about Black Friday. Back when people went crazy for Black Friday, the deals were really, really good. And they were very limited, which created a sense of urgency. It created a sense of scarcity. And since everyone was doing it, everyone wanted to do it, which created a sense of popularity. And it's where you'd have people like fighting and getting hurt and injured and going to the hospital because they were so frantic to get into the store. It almost worked too well. With Black Friday moving online, it's not as uh, scarce and urgent. It is still. You'll notice Amazon has the lightning deal is only available for two hours and there's only 500 units available you know that's very clever and <laughs> they do that on purpose uh, they have big data to tell them exactly what that number should be so that it sells out in about the right amount of time they don't want it to sell out in 30 seconds but they also don't want inventory left over at the end of the lightning deal so that's how they create urgency and scarcity and then amazon also goes out of its way to talk about in the press how popular Black Friday is and how this is the biggest Black Friday ever, which if inflation you know continues at 2% every year, every Black Friday will be the biggest Black Friday ever because the press never adjusts for inflation. Uh, so that's a real kind of cheat that they do. Um, but by doing that, they pull people away from the stores. The other thing that's happened with retail stores is that the deals aren't as good. Often the TV that you get for Black Friday isn't actually on sale. It's a special TV that they ordered just for Black Friday. That's a different model. And you know the list price that's you know quote unquote marked down is actually what they're wanting to sell it at, which undermines the scarcity and undermines the urgency, which then undermines the popularity. And so people aren't as big on Black Friday as they used to be. So hopefully now you understand a little bit more about the psychology behind marketing. Yes, we all wish we were more rational, but again, dance with the way people are <laughs> and not with the way you want them to be. That is the path to success. Anyway, I would like to hear what you think of this episode of the Creative Funding Show. Feel free to drop me a line. You can reach us at creativefunding.show. That's www.creativefunding.show. I'm Thomas Umstead Jr. Thank you for listening. <laughs>